Blog Talk Radio. Michael? Michael? Yes, hello. Hey, this is Angela. I'm so sorry we're getting started late. Had some technical challenges. Okay, no, that's okay. We're here now. Terrific. Well, welcome to Book Journeys Radio. And every week on Book Journeys Radio, we um, talk to an author about their journey of becoming an author. So I am Angela Loria, and I am the creator of the Author Incubator. Um, I work with authors in transformation, authors who want to make a difference with their book, um, want to make a difference in the world, and are kind of in the process of making that happen. And I know... um, uh, we are talking today with J. Michael Curtis, that's C-U-R-T-I-S, and, um, and you go by Michael, right? I go by either Michael or Mike. Either way is fine. My, okay, great. Well, Mike is the author of Try It This Way, An Ordinary Guy's Guide to Extraordinary Happiness. And that's not even your only book, right? Do you have other books? No, that's my first book. That's the first book. Terrific. Well, why don't you tell us about Try It This Way and and about your journey to write the book? Sure. Okay. Well, um, I got the idea from my daughter-in-law, basically, when we were having dinner two years ago this time of year, I guess, and uh, um, she just said, you know, you should write a book. And, And she said that, you know, the implication, and you had to be there and know the context, but the implication was that I had a lot of opinions on things. And so, and that, that's what my book is. It's it's a a concise collection of personal opinions on all kinds of things, uh, really very seemingly very practical things, and all the way to fairly serious metaphysical things. I and mean, it's just a a collection of the things I've learned and thought about over the years, I guess. And and uh, so the book is, I think, unique in a few ways. And that one is just the style in which it's written, and two is. The, the sort of breadth of subject matter that it takes on. And I I tried really hard to reach uh, an economical writing style that was um, approachable. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not a, a learned academic, and, and uh, that's on purpose. I wanted to demonstrate that I think an ordinary person can think about uh, important things and, and, and have reasonable conclusions. And and so I tried my best to write the book in such a way that although the words are limited, it's not a really fat book, it's 200 and some pages, um, just about everything I have an opinion on is in that book somewhere, and I try to get my ideas across in a in a, what appears to be a very simple form, but I, I think when you look at the book and think about things I've said, you'll wonder about things, and that's what my intent is. I've had a fair bit of positive... Uh, feedback from the public and and people that I hadn't heard of from years calling me up from halfway across the continent and so forth to say they'd read my book, and I found that very gratifying. What are some of the topics that you cover in your book? Well, I, the book is broken up into three parts, and, and that's on purpose. The, the first part is a bunch of fairly practical things, and it starts out with 
how to take care of your motor vehicle. And that's meant to be a little bit metaphorical um, because I think in general, in your, if you take care of your things in your life, it'll have good consequences for you all through it. But that first part also has um, a bit about camping and enjoying the outdoors and respecting the environment and, and then a bit about social etiquette and so forth. It moves into part two, which is all the more serious sort of philosophical topics about mastering your inner world and learning how to have better interpersonal relationships with others and how to get along and respect your spouse, how to succeed in the workplace, and um, a whole host of important topics like that. And the the final part is just a collection of miscellany that didn't quite make it into the um, either of the early two parts that I thought kind of tied things up. And before your daughter-in-law had suggested you write a book, was it something you'd thought about before? <laughs> Not really, no. I mean, uh, I did a lot of writing in my professional life when I was working. I was, you know, recently retired. And um, I've always been fairly good at it, I guess, and found it came easy to me. But um, I hadn't thought of writing a book until she said that. And then it just kind of clicked. There was a button that went off, and by the next morning... I was already thinking about an outline and you know what sort of topics I could cover and the um the book pretty much came out like I thought it would. I mean I it didn't veer off in any in any kind of obscure direction as I was working on it. And the whole thing didn't really take all that long. It was about 6 months of effort, I guess. Was taking And from off. when you when you got the idea um, until you finished writing that, you know, your your manuscript, not including some of the publishing and pub and publicity aspects, but just to take just to finish writing it, how how long did that take you? And what was your uh, what was your writing style like? Did you write every day, or ha- how did you actually get the writing done? I started on it in the the spring of uh, 2011 and finished a year later in the spring of 2012. But I took the summer off just because we live up north and the weather's it's beautiful up here in the summer, but it kind of comes and goes pretty quickly. And I found myself, I wasn't enjoying it. I it was being torn between being outside and sitting and writing. And that actually worked out well. I started b- back in it again September, October, and and then I'd finished the first part by then. And I dedicated the three winter, winter months, the first three months of 2012, to writing the rest of the book and tackling all the difficult parts. And yes, I wrote just about every day and developed um, a routine that, a creative routine that worked really well. Is that what you want to hear about? Yeah. So tell us about your routine because I think that's something people struggle to find. Okay. Well, it may work. It may work for others. It worked for me. I didn't intend it to evolve this way, but it kind of just fell into place. And and then I realized it was the same routine I used for when I was composing my website for my business. <clears throat> and, and anyways, that involves walking outside. And what I found was um, I got my best creative ideas. Like say if I wanted to illustrate a complex or sophisticated principle with some sort of illustration or example from real life or whatever, I would get those ideas while I was out walking with my dog. And uh, so I took my dog. Uh, she needs exercise. She's a big dog. And We'd go out into the country, um, say in the middle of the afternoon, and I'd find I'd just be walking along with her outside, and I'd have, oh, here's a great illustration. And it might might be the section I was working on, or it might be a different section. And 
I think, well, I could write this about that, and there's a great idea, and whatever. So I, by the time I got back home, then I would write all that stuff down, and and um, uh, you know, in a dedicated way, sort of as quickly as I could, and sort of knock off for the day around uh, five or six o'clock. And then mostly I took the evenings off, but then the next morning I would look at what I'd written the day before and polish it. And maybe I'd think of additional illustrations or I'd think, well, that was a bit awkward, and I'd rewrite it and get that into good form, and then before I knew it, it was time to go out for another dog walk. <laughs> and then it would be new material. So it new was material almost a, a full-time job for you when you were doing it. This oh, was like yeah, a daily I, ritual. I, I, it was a daily ritual, and it was a full-time job. I took the... Um, the months of January, February, March off from from other distractions, so that I could finish the book and and I found that if I worked at it like that, it w- it never felt like a difficult labor. I mean, I was writing on topics that I found intensely interesting and that I wanted to share with others. So it wasn't like it was drudgery; it was enjoyable. So what was your what was your why? Why did you? Because this is a big commitment to make, and obviously you're a guy with lots of interests and passions. You could have been using that time lots of different ways. What was it about this project that made you focus for so long, um, you know, and and kind of so so clearly? Angela, I don't know if I'll say anything that you wouldn't have heard from any other author. I mean, there'd be two or three reasons. One of them would be, well, I thought I had something to say. I mean, I have the sort of hubris to think, well, I might have something to say and that maybe somebody would find it interesting. They may agree, they may not agree, but I... I was pretty sure I could write something that people would find interesting, so there was that. Mm-hmm. And the other part was I knew that it would be a test of whether or not my thinking was clear. And I I know, mm-hmm. that, I know that you're an academic person with academic credentials, so I think you'll understand what I mean. If you think you understand something, well, try to teach it to somebody else's one or two, try to write mm-hmm. it down. And if you can't write it down then don't make any excuses. The reason you can't write it down is because you don't understand what you what you think you do. And so it what I found so you during like this the challenge period, of it. Well, I did. And it, and it was a great period of personal growth and enlightenment for me. I mean, I don't want to sound too corny about it, but those 3 months of that winter uh while I was doing this business of clarifying and thinking on all these important these are fairly important topics and um I if I found I thought I understood something or thought I had an opinion I could substantiate and then I found I had difficulty writing it then I'd think I had to reflect and so what do you really think what do you really feel about this what and what I learned was you know about previous experiences I'd had in my life that it caused me to form these opinions and preferences and and so I don't regret it for a minute it was fun and, and I, I, you know I like where you got where you maybe had to abandon a topic that you thought you would write about or um, or even that you had to face writer's block? Um, oh, sort of, but not really. I mean, what I found was that, that, say, if I was working on one section, of course you're going to have days where you have nothing to say. So I described that process to you, and it was pretty much like that every day. But there'd be some times that, you know, I just couldn't make it happen. But mainly what happened was when was that I, I had so many different topics in the book that I could I could go back to something I'd written a month ago or I could just switch topics because I knew that I knew that there was an awful lot in there that I wanted to keep organized and you know I worked from a an outline that I'd created myself and I, I basically I knew where I was going to be filling in the blanks but 
if I got stuck <clears throat> stuck in one topic, I'd find if I was out walking my dog, I'd just start thinking about a different topic, and I'd just go write a different section of the book. And so yeah, I loved that period yeah. of focus and creativity. It was it was wonderful. It made me feel ten years younger. That's uh, wow. That's a great endorsement of the process for sure. And so. Um, now, you know, now the book is written. It was published in, I think, September, about six months ago, right? That's right. Last and September. what have you learned in the last six months that you wish you knew before you wrote your book? <laughs> a couple, good question. Uh, a couple of times I thought, well, you know, here's, this would have fit into the book here. or uh, I haven't thought of a whole topic as much as I've thought of, of I of uh, illustrations that I could have used, or uh, you know, a, a witty sounding sentence that I could have used here or there, but mainly this time has been spent with promoting and the, publicizing the book. And you know, I guess here this is going to sound like any author, well, at least rookie author like me, rookie. Uh, I didn't realize how much time it was going to take. I mean, I was out. I'd enjoyed the creative process and didn't enjoy much the production phase that was a lot of drudgery and proofreading and all that stuff but <clears throat> once the book was actually published I thought well okay before now I'll I mean I had plans for a second book uh, that was less broad but more deep on on a you know a topic which I kind of hinted at in in the book and but what I found was I kept getting distracted by well I mean don't take this the wrong way but like things like we're doing right now where you know I'd I'd have interviews to prepare for, or, or uh, I'd be talking with my, my publicist, publicist about this or that, and and then doing some follow-up writing. People asked me to write pieces and bits around Christmas time for publication that had to do with the subject matter, and they thought I'd be an interesting author. So um, I haven't done any work on on the second book other than write a little outline, and I'm waiting until I get that fever again, I guess, you know, and it, it may mm. end up. You know this, this and time. Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Did you have Did you have plans to publicize the book? Did you think, um, you know, did you think the process of being an author would include the the marketing aspects, or well, I kind of knew what I really guess. focused on writing. I, I knew that in a kind of intellectual way. I just didn't realize how much attention it was going to take for me. How much? I mean, if I was going to take it seriously, then I had to do a good job of it, and. Since I put a lot of effort into writing the book and tried to make it as good as I could, I, I figured, well, then I have to do this part seriously, too. Um, mm. You know, uh, I went the road of publishing with Author House because I didn't want to spend two years groveling in front of publishers, you know, into, to publish in the traditional way where, where they just buy the rights out and, and then they make all the decisions from there. I, I decided to go the way I went because I had no interest in... in uh, presenting my work for people to criticize and accept or reject because I knew it was good. And I also knew how impossible it would be for an unknown author from Sherwood Park, Alberta, Canada, to approach Simon & Schuster in New York and suggest that they publish my book. So going with the way I did with the self-publishing, and I went with uh, <coughs> the big uh, established uh, company, I bought a package which included publicity. And so that was, I, I bought in big, I bought one of their bigger packages, and I just figured if I'm going to do it, do it, you know, don't fool around. And and so it just ended up being quite a bit of work, but now I, I learned a lot. I, I don't mind, it was it was fun too, you know, I actually, 
had a little trip I took like uh, to another city where I was interviewed on radio and television. It was a lot of fun. And and it's caused people uh, that I hadn't seen or heard of for, in some cases, 30 years or so to call me up on the phone. And, you know, that's uh, that's a real hoot for me. So I don't regret yeah. any of it. So let's talk a little bit about Author House. You decided to self-publish. It sounds like that part was a relatively easy decision for you. How did you pick Author House? What was your deciding criteria and your process for choosing to work with them? Uh, I had an instant rapport with the first person I spoke with from the company. Uh, he, um, I guess he, they call him one thing, but really what he is is the salesman for the company, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and they were receptive, and they understood immediately what I wanted, and they gave me the impression that they knew what they were doing. And they are, I guess, a, pr- a pretty big outfit. I asked them at one point how many authors they were dealing with at one time, and it's like a staggeringly, staggering big number. So um, I looked at a few and selected them, and they were the first people I talked to, and, and I had a good feeling right away, and my instincts told me, that I could spend a lot of time and effort trying to decide and that the chances are I would just, you know, go back to the first one because I like them and that's what I did. And one of the options, of course, is that you could have done everything yourself and you made a decision not to do everything yourself. Why did you make that decision? It never occurred to me I could do everything myself. You mean like self-publishing, really self-publishing? Yeah, oh, you like you could have found a designer for the cover and you could have found a way to get it up, uh, you know, on Amazon and, you know, all those different steps oh, uh, without making the same investment. Well, it wasn't something you considered. I guess one of the – it wasn't something I considered, no. I mean, that's one of the principles that I would, you know, refer to in my book is that you, you, you go with people that know what they're doing and people that are in that business. I mean, I I would have – um, no reason to believe that I could do it as well as they could. I mean, they could do all that stuff. I mean, they got a machine; it just clicks from one stage to another, and and you just right. have to sort of re- you have to just what's the word resign yourself to their process. Like if you try to bucket, it's not, it's not going to work, right? They do it right, the same right. way. And, yeah, and and when they say this, it's got to be that. So um, they didn't mess with the creativity. That was my part, and I I had final say on everything. So. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about them so far. Great. I'm, ex- I'm okay, expecting well, a big royalty check soon, so let, let's hope that'll be nice. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. So let's talk about outcomes. Um, I always like uh, before and after stories, and just to see some specific outcomes of being an author, things that have happened in your life, conversations that have had or um, experiences that you've had that wouldn't have happened if you didn't have a book in your hand. So can you think of something specific um, that's been a, a good outcome from having a book already, besides that check of, we know uh, is coming? <laughs> I can think of three. And, of course, I don't know how much time you want to give me, but these will be anecdotes, but I think that's what you're looking for. Um, yeah, absolutely. The first one that happened that just was was absolutely thrilling for me was, uh, oh, it might have been December the 20th or so, <clears throat> we were late decorating our Christmas tree this year for one reason or another, but my wife and I, well, it was that last Friday before Christmas, so it was around the 20th, we were uh, decorating our Christmas tree, and, and uh, it was like a perfect setting, you know. Uh, 
I had an eggnog. She had a glass of wine, and we were just about done. And, you know, our kids are long gone. We're empty nesters, grandparents. And um, the phone rang, and uh, it was Jack Hawthorne, who's, um, well, he's 66 now, roughly the same age as me, but two or three years older. And and we grew up on the same street. He was like three doors down, and and he was a friend from my childhood, and we used to play hockey out in the street and all kinds of stuff like that. And I hadn't thought of him or heard of him for more than 40 years. And uh, he called me up because uh, of my book, (laughs) and he tracked me down uh, and called me at home without any warning. And so we ended up having a nice chit-chat, and as it turns out, you know, Jack, uh, Jack's wife is the older sister of a girl that I used to go with in junior high school, and I think I knew that, but I'd forgotten it. So then we get to talking about her and her grandchildren and all this kind of stuff, and that's a story. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got a bit of a cold developing in, in my throat here. That's a, a, an, a an example of a, something that definitely wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for my writing the book, and uh, and then I have two more. And that how are did like he that. find it, by the way? How did he find your book? Were you featured in an article oh, he saw or something? I think he heard about it, about it from someone else, and he wanted to know where he could order it. And the reason he heard about it was he's calling from my hometown, or just uh, a satellite suburb a little ways north, but basically where I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And um, that's where I went for the media uh, interviews, uh, where I went and I was on a local radio station and on a local uh, television, like morning. You know, they have those morning shows. Yep. <clears throat> and, Perfect. Um, okay, so I knew you said you had three outcomes, and I want to make sure we get to all of them. So that was one. Give me number two. Well, number two was similar in tone, um, and it was um, another phone call. And it was uh, from a guy I used to play sports with, so a bit later, maybe ten years later. And he married, his wife was a twin sister of the guy who was my best friend for all my childhood, lived across the street. And it was the same sort of thing. I mean, we we were never really all that close like I was with Jack, but we we played sports together. And, and he called me up out of the blue he's never called me in i don't think unless he was to say the 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 fastball game is at such a such and such seven o'clock you know back in 1972 or something so he he called me up and then we had a chit chat and then his his brother-in-law the guy across the street we've ended up connecting on the same topic over email and what's going to happen now is that i'm going to be making a motor trip motor trip out that way to visit my wife who's taking care of her her dad in Saskatchewan, That's great. And, I'll, and I'll be seeing those guys. It wouldn't have happened had would have, wouldn't have happened if I hadn't published the book, obviously. And it's very heartwarming for me this kind of stuff. And the, and the fact is, they're like reading my book, so they yeah. can they can like it or not like it, you know. But and I I don't really care. I mean, I'd prefer if they agreed with me, but if they don't, that's fine because it's just my opinions, right? If, it's not like a a scholarly work where you have to make the case right. and defend it. The Would final you, one is shorter. The uh, lis- hmm? listeners can uh, like or not like your book. They can find it on Amazon. It's called Try It This Way by J. Michael Curtis. It's an ordinary guy's guide to extraordinary happiness. Mike, it was great to have you on today. I really appreciate your time. And uh, sorry about our little mix-up at the beginning, but thanks for your patience. Uh, it's been my pleasure, Angela. Thanks very much for interviewing me. Take care. Good luck with the book. Okay. You too. Thanks. Bye. I